Ever wanted to know more about health and fitness? Well, I'm Aidan Shamali, and this is the Little by Little podcast. All right. Hello, Stuart, man of the world. Uh, I want to call you a performance coach who's done everything around the world. Um, And also, if I remember right, fittest man in Singapore at one point. At one point, yeah. A while ago. A while ago. (laughs) Are those glory days behind you, you think? Well, now we can't be called fittest in Singapore, can we? So I think it's going to be well out of my reach to get fittest in the UK. So the days of getting the fittest in the country are long gone. Yeah, so (laughs) it was was 2017, right? Fittest man in Singapore? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't want to start this off like the glory days because <laughs> I know you've still got a bit in the tank if you want it. But um, uh, let's, let's kind of go back to like how did – what was your road to becoming 2017 Fittest Man in Singapore? How did you, how did you get there and like what is your background and, and what brought you to that point? Well, um... 2017 was my first year in Singapore. Um, so before that, I was in Jakarta for a little while, just under a year. And then before that, I was in London. Um, crossfitted for a few years before then. I think it was nearly two or three before that point um, in London. So that's where I started it. Um, did it there, kind of competitive but fun, kind of like team comps and just having a bit of a laugh. Um, and then in Jakarta, did some competitions there. Um, that's where I actually met the guys from Singapore, like Dylan and Daryl and all that lot, um, was when I was competing out in Bangkok. Um, just kind of messed around in Jakarta competition-wise, just having a bit of fun. And then when we got out to Singapore, that was when the kind of the whole idea of maybe going to regionals as a team kind of came about. Um, I know Tanjung Paga had been the year before I was there anyway, so it was an achievable goal, just kind of made it um lit the fire a little bit to actually try and train properly and give it a go to try and go to regionals on team because i mean you know yourself it was such a big kind of thing as a crossfitter that if you could go to regionals it was kind of a a bit of a status symbol and a bit of a bit of fun and a good achievement yeah so that was the kind of the main process behind there but like actual my fitness training and my kind of like sporting background was rugby from a young age um started playing that I guess I wasn't too young like when I went to secondary school didn't really play too much sport when I was a lot younger um I was just pretty active outside um and then started playing rugby when I got to secondary school played that for what age is that secondary school you mean um just trying to think off the top of my head that would be around 13 yeah quite a little 13 yeah um was when I started playing rugby I played a bit of football and a bit of tennis before that but and then rugby was quite serious for during school and then just busted myself up a few too many times. Um, stopped that one when I went to university where I found weightlifting. Um, we had to do it as part of my degree course. We had to learn how to do it to therefore teach it. Um, we did like a, I think it was six, eight week long intensive as part of my actual grading system at university. Like I genuinely had an assessment on weightlifting. Um, was one of my first assessments at university, which was quite interesting. It put a bit of a 
extra bit of nerve wracking onto your very first weightlifting competition was you were getting graded to go towards your degree on it. Um, we did that for six to eight weeks and I kind of picked it up pretty quickly. So I just went down that route for a while in university. Before, did three years. Before you continue, because I this is getting good. I just I'm curious, and I think a few people will be. What were your? Do you remember your numbers? Your first ever weightlifting comp? Yeah, I do actually. I was only thinking about this the other day because um, I was trying to work out in my head kind of what was like uh, a normal progression for someone like when they first start weightlifting. For me, bear in mind I'd never done any like barbell stuff before. I in six to eight weeks I went from learning the snatch first time i think i power snatched 77 kilo i couldn't squat snatch at that point and no idea how that worked um and clean and jerked 103 i think wow um but that was like they were ugly they were ugly but it got the job done um and that one the whole competition was done on sinclair so it was done on body weight um i think it came second one of the guys i went to uni with um he was a little lad but he was very strong for his size so he won on on Sinclair. Um, but that was quite fun actually. That was a enjoyable start to weightlifting. We had a, my university lecturers taught the course and then we had a weightlifting team at my university. Um, we had won the British universities championship a few years running. So it was quite a big sport at my uni. Not many universities really do it. And it was kind of just taking off. And um, we had a really good coach who kind of really got me into weightlifting and it's the same coach who got Naz into weightlifting too. Um, and to be honest, I would um, say he's probably one of my biggest influences weightlifting coach-wise and kind of coaching style-wise. He was a big influence on on me and her and kind of the way we weightlift and the way we teach weightlifting. So he kind of really got us into it. And then I ended up teaching weightlifting at a CrossFit gym with him because our weightlifting club trained at a CrossFit gym a couple of times a week. Um, and I started coaching there, started taking some weightlifting classes and then a few of the people at the gym were like, why don't you just give CrossFit a go? And being on a strength and conditioning degree, um, CrossFit was always kind of frowned upon. Um, as, it, as it was like back then, it was kind of a new thing, cut up and coming. Everyone in the industry was kind of like, what is this? It can't be good for you doing this many reps of weightlifting. And I was in that same camp. So I did that for a while and then I ended up giving it a go. I think my first CrossFit workout was actually, um, was Grace. Surprise, surprise, being a weightlifter, they were like, give this one a go. And I remember just getting my ass handed to me by people who had like 50 kilo less clean jerks than me and not really understanding why. And that kind of like kicked off the, the fascination with the world of functional fitness and CrossFit. And then, yeah, it's like moved away from weightlifting full time into training kind of mix. And now we kind of know what I do where I just kind of mix stuff together and train for fun, be strong, but not be out of breath walking up the stairs. <laughs> That's kind of the sporting background. Yeah, it's, uh, it's quite in-depth. I'm actually quite shocked, like in a good way, about your university and, and weightlifting. I remember when I was at university, weightlifting was, uh, uh, it was like, it was some, it was like what other people did. It wasn't really what was taught at university. It was kind of like for the Olympic team. And even then, some of, because we used to work with some of New Zealand's Olympic athletes and stuff. And even then, most of them, didn't do any Olympic weightlifting. So it was quite cool to hear that you were exposed to it in such a, such a, such a way. Um, weightlifting versus CrossFit. I mean, I've spoken to a few people about this argument. Um, just give us a little, a little bit about what you enjoyed about each one of them and maybe your opinion on the downside of each one of them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, 
like I love weightlifting. It was kind of my first, um, like I enjoyed rugby, but it was, I was okay at it, but I wasn't amazing at it. But it was one of the first sports where I was like, okay, I've actually got some kind of some talent for this where I'm a bit more like I picked up quite quickly, started progressing quite quickly. And I really found the enjoyment. I always only ever done team sports really. Um, and it was quite nice to get a bit of like, it's only down to you. If you do well, it's all you. If you do badly, it's all again, also your fault. So that was quite enjoyable. Um, the progression you see with it was, um, I really liked like the second you hit a PR, all you want is five kilo more than that. It was quite like, you're happy for about 10 minutes and then you start thinking about how to get a little bit stronger. Um, which was one of the things I loved, but also towards the end became not towards the end because I haven't stopped yet, but towards the end of kind of like pure weightlifting kind of became one of those things like, when does this end? Like, or does this ever end? Like, is it just chasing more weights on the bar the whole time? Um, CrossFit was, I was just fascinated with how they, so many people were so good at so many things. That was what like kind of caught my eye is the people at the time my weightlifting numbers were kind of competitive during CrossFit. I mean, now they've got ridiculous and people are like every one of the games snatching over 130. Um, but then back then my lifts were kind of more competitive in the CrossFit scene. And I thought like there are people to be holding those numbers whilst doing crazy amounts of conditioning and um, a lot of the gymnastic stuff kind of almost flew in the face of the stuff I like the traditional strength and conditioning that I've been taught at uni which was like to peak for certain things you had to really focus in. You start broad and then you get more specific towards the end and then you train specifically for one thing. And that broad training kind of means you don't get very good at anything. But there was people in front of me and I was seeing people who were pretty damn good at everything. So it kind of was more the like trying to understand why it worked in the first place, which was what caught my eye. I remember having a conversation with one of the coaches um, from my first gym, who I still talk to quite a lot. Um, just ask him like how the hell do you program for crossfit because i was just so like confused about how it works and he actually sat me down we went through it kind of like before i'd ever done my level one like kind of how they lay out and it was just super interesting for me so that's how kind of the sport of crossfit the sport of crossfit i enjoy but to be good at it on a competitive level now i've kind of realized the amount of training volume that you have to do to be good enough for me to feel like it's worthwhile trying to compete just leaves me a little too beaten up for it so i'm kind of a bit of a like a when i think about it it's almost like i'm kind of half arsing each of them <laughs> i'm not really going like full weightlifting because i get quite bored if i do just that there's not enough variety for me but i'm not going full crossfit because for me personally to get better at crossfit my numbers for weightlifting and my squats would have to come down significantly for a period of time whilst I build up other stuff and I don't really feel like I want to do that so it's more like just build weightlifting get strong but still make sure I can still do enough CrossFit stuff to go to local comps and have fun yeah I, I like that I don't think people realize the toll that competitive CrossFit takes on mm. people's bodies and and how much you have to give up to be able to get up the next day and do two sessions yeah uh, and and the work that those rowing intervals put through this system <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. It's uh, it really that is. That was the, that was actually, you funny you said that. That's like the main thing that was like, for me, it was like, you know what? No, I won't do this. It was like 10 sets of 500 meter rows. And I'm like, I don't want to be doing this. Like, I don't want to be 
doing this to become maybe top 50 in Asia, it wasn't worthwhile to me to hate my training. Um, and like, I've come to realize that my own innate, like resiliency and training volume I can deal with, with alongside working a job where we work as many hours as we do with the sleep we have to do, I would have to commit, like, I wouldn't know how to do anything else in my life. I just have to train and work and nail down everything else to support that kind of training volume you need. And again, it was just weighing the, the cost versus benefit it just didn't make sense. And again, it's one of those things like, I don't even know if you've got the innate skill and the innate talent to do it. You've got to put all that work in before you'd ever know anyway. And it, yeah, it was just weighing up the cost versus benefit. It didn't make much sense to me. Oh, it becomes a pretty, pretty easy decision when you put it there. Yeah. Um, before I move on, uh, you gave me some numbers for your first comp, 77 and 103. What is, uh, what's your all-time PRs in those lifts? What's your snatch and clean and jerk PRs? 127 from my snatch and 152 for my clean and jerk. So exactly a 50 kilo PR in both lifts is pretty impressive. Basically, yeah. Yeah, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, and that was like with a fair few breaks in the middle. Like I feel it'd be often look back and wonder if I'd been just super consistent with weightlifting where I would be able to be. Um, and often regret having stopped, like moved away from weightlifting because it would have been quite interesting to see where I've been or where I could have got to because I think I ended up getting to like a 125, 150 within like one to two years of weightlifting. And then they've stayed very, very consistent and haven't really gone anywhere in the last few years because I've been training other stuff as well. Yeah. And once you get to kind of the numbers I was at, like to progress forwards is much, much slower. I mean, I think it took me three years to hit a two kilo PR on my snatch. And that was snatching like twice a week for three years. Totally worth it though. <laughs> <laughs> what what weight class did you lift at? That was in the eighty five, under eighty five. I was a very light eighty five. I could never be. I was going to say you you. That seems quite heavy for, for you. Yeah, so I usually competed around eighty two. Yeah. Um, and then I did a competition in Singapore at seventy seven before they changed all the weight categories recently. I was going to say you weren't you weren't a big fan of the cut, obviously. No, I wasn't a big fan of the cut. I could have quite easily competed under 77 if I wasn't so lazy and enjoy like food too much. Um, okay, so this is obviously how you got into sport and exercise. Um, but what was your kind of road or how did you get into coaching others? Like, how did you start that? I mean, obviously you were studying at university, but what was it like? And, and what was your first kind of coaching experiences? It's interesting. Like I made the decision fairly early that I wanted to be involved in sport coaching and training people. Like, I mean, strength and conditioning isn't a particularly well-known subject, and especially wasn't good in like 2011 when I first started uni or whatever it was. Um, but I kind of found that degree course and just, it was the only one I applied for. I applied for one university and that was it. Like if I didn't get that one, I wasn't going to do anything. I just really wanted to do that. I'd never done any coaching before then. Um, other than kind of like helping your friends or helping out at rugby coaching. Um, so kind of my first coaching experiences would have been like little internships at university helping out. Um, I did a, under one of my lecturers, a little internship at one of the rugby clubs did some coaching there. And I remember being so nervous the first time you try and coach 
um, you just second guess everything you say, really, really nervous about it. But I end up coaching a lot of different things. I mean, I work with, um, in a couple of rugby places, a couple of schools, taught weightlifting at some schools, which was interesting doing um, some schools in London. They had weightlifting, so Olympic weightlifting is one of the GCSE sports you could pick for PE. Um, I don't know how it ever got to be one of those, but that was interesting teaching like um, fairly low income schools in areas in London, Olympic weightlifting to kind of 15 year old uh, guys and girls who had never touched a barbell before. I used to go in with my weightlifting coach and teach that and then they'd be graded at the end of the six weeks as one of their sports for GCSEs. So that was quite fun. Um, alongside that, I was coaching at the CrossFit gym. That was when I first started kind of coaching CrossFit. Uh, I'd mainly take the weightlifting classes. Um, and then started doing some PT at the CrossFit gym. And then kind of after university, well, straight out of university, I did, I think it was one just under a year at a school in London, um, doing some strength conditioning stuff. Um, they had a really big strength conditioning team at the, at the school. They had like a team of like six or seven people. So I was just one of the assistants there. Most of the time we were sat in the school gym, making sure kids didn't kill themselves. Um, but there was a bit of coaching involved and some speed and agility work and things like that, which was, I mean, it was really interesting, really eye opening for me because it was the first kind of like high performance setup I'd ever been involved in. Um, and seeing kind of some of the, it was the guy who headed up was a very big time strength conditioning coach. He now works with the, Netherlands um winter olympic team um and he was just like the way they designed the program things like that I learned a lot just from being involved in that for a little while and then I went purely down the route of crossfit um working at a few gyms in london um i really enjoyed it it was for me i saw a lot of my friends went down the pro sport route working with rugby clubs in london football clubs and while they learned a lot they got paid next to nothing. Most of the time it was unpaid internships and maybe they got a job at the end of it. And even then the pay was not fantastic. They would get like some kit given to them and their lunches paid for. Um, and their work hours were crazy. And again, it just didn't seem like somewhere I really wanted to go down working within a club where if they don't play well at the weekend, you're the first person who gets the shit for it. Um, regardless of whether it was whether they were fit enough or not not very much job security and not very good pay for them working a lot of hours or I could go down the more like if I went to the personal training route, then it's people who just kind of want to get a little bit fit and lose some weight. Whereas CrossFit was like a really happy medium in the middle. Like people really cared about their performance, wanted to do big compound movements. So you still got to coach people with weightlifting, powerlifting, stark stuff, but they were paying to be there rather than being paid to be there. Yeah. So they were, like so much more buy-in and they were really like receptive of coaching and it was really enjoyable. So it was a really nice kind of happy medium where I got to use all the things I learned at uni with the high performance stuff and coaching. Um, but with people who are really into it and the sport of CrossFit is training, which was like, to me, it was just like, well, why wouldn't I want to do this with all other sports I have to really worry about how the movement carries over to their specific activity. Whereas in, CrossFit, it's fairly obvious if you want to get better at squatting, do squats. Like, yeah, the movement is the. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it was a, 
quite a logical transition for me to move towards that. And realistically in the UK, it was the only place you were ever going to make any money teaching weightlifting because weightlifting as a sport has no funding in the UK anymore. Um, most weightlifting coaches are the only way they make a living is by coaching CrossFitters. Yeah. So their weightlifters are kind of their passion project. Um, so it was a logical transition for me um, to move into CrossFit. And then it was a few gyms in London. Then, in fact, one of them is where I met Naz. The other one was um, Naz was doing her internship at coaching. And then I started working there. And then a year after there, we went to Jakarta, where it was coaching CrossFit there. Um, and then on to Singapore, which was personal training and then CrossFit. So realistically, CrossFit has taken me the other side of the world and given so many opportunities, similar to you, and I guess, on that front, that there's not many jobs where you can kind of go almost anywhere in the world and do the same. Coach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, how have you found the, the, the fitness scene in Singapore compared to what it was back in London or the UK? It's actually, I think it's almost seems to be like a couple of years behind the fitness scene in the UK with kind of the trends. I mean, the likes of Barry's boot camp and all of the high intensity stuff, they kind of got really big in the UK and now they're just trying to get big here. Um, CrossFit's kind of reached its peak in London and maybe on a little bit of a decline where it got so saturated that um, only the kind of the top gyms managed to survive. And they've having to diversify a little bit. Um, but in regards to like people doing it, it's a very similar demographic in London to what it is in Singapore. So I think working in London set us up quite well to be out here. It's a very similar demographic of people. I mean, I don't know if it's still or it's still the same. Can't remember about the last couple of years, but it was like a a thing in that no gym from London had ever sent a team to regionals because of the demographic of people who chained uh, gyms in London was the demographic of people that have like big corporate jobs and tendency not to have the time to put in the training that they would need to do to do regionals. Yeah. Whereas outside of London, it was a bit more of your, like the price point of CrossFit was a bit more of kind of your, um, your ex rugby players, people who um, might have a little bit more time to put into training. Um, which was quite interesting. And it's quite similar in Singapore. The demographic we work with are the more corporate individuals. So I think it set us up quite well. Um, it's I see a lot of parallels between Singapore and London, for sure. Jakarta was a little different. Yeah, what was that, that was, like, actually? That, that is very different, I'd imagine. It was, I loved it. It was really interesting. I, I was obviously very, very worried when I first went out there because there's of the language barrier. But all the classes were taught in English, so that made it a lot easier for me. And everyone there speaks very, very good English. I mean, obviously not quite the same as Singapore, but like I didn't really struggle to communicate at all. Yeah. Everyone was super, super welcoming there. And it was quite interesting. The biggest thing I found was going from London to Indonesia was I went from having to, when we were doing like fundamentals or basics, spend like an hour and a half teaching people how to squat to spending absolutely no time teaching people how to squat. It was just like do the demo and everyone knew how to do it. Um, everyone just seemed to move really, really well, um, especially in the squat pattern. Um, but it was a interesting and enjoyable experience in Jakarta. Um, 
I, yeah, I loved it. It was interesting to be teaching different, um, different cultures, different, like different people. You learn a lot from coaching in different places and different demographics of people. And that was an enjoyable one for sure. Cause, uh, I was going to say, people always describe Singapore as kind of Asia for beginners in a sense. And so I can, I can only imagine what it was like going straight from London into uh, Jakarta. It was a little bit of a shock. I mean, they really asked that many questions about what Jakarta was, was like. Like I almost wanted this idealistic picture of what Indonesia was like in my head before I went. Um, but I was very lucky. I went straight into a community there, as you do with CrossFit, right? You probably found the same thing when you came to Singapore. Like moving country to an area where you like don't know anyone other than Naz um, would have been like a big, a much bigger thing if it wasn't like I knew I was going to a CrossFit gym where you're immediately like in a really good community and everyone's really friendly. Naz's family was super um, supportive of me as well. So I was quite lucky. I went right into a community. Everyone like wanted to show me what uh, Jakarta was like. It's crazy busy, but really good fun. People were super friendly. I don't think I could live there long term or full term. Um, it's just a little too busy, but it was a really good period. I, I'd happily live there for a few years and have some fun because they're yeah, it's enjoyable. The industry there is gonna, I feel, blow up very soon because there's a lot of potential there. So many people, there is quite a lot of money there, and fitness is just starting to become big there. So I think there's a like the industry there will get really big at one point quite interesting viewing it from an outside viewpoint now seeing where it's going well speaking of uh opportunities i mean i know you've just kind of developed your own sort of coaching business or your uh, a coaching system um with with your fusion athletic stuff um how how did that come about and how did you how did you start that setting or how did you set that up should i say yeah, well, so we've been thinking about it for a while because myself and Naz, we have like, while we both work in the same industry, we do have kind of like differing specialities. Like Naz is very good with her nutrition stuff and supporting people with that. Whereas I'm not so, so good at that. It's not something I enjoy as much. Whereas I'm much more down the kind of programming and um, like program design um, element. So kind of if you put those two together you've got a, a pretty comprehensive coaching kind of uh, service and we thought it would be useful to set something up with for now whilst we're full-time employed at, at Mobilis and we want to obviously keep it that way um, it's more of just a um, educational platform so we just want to share um, educational posts and support people via Mobilis um, with that brand but within kind of the direction of maybe in the future it being a standalone kind of fitness brand. Um, it's nice to have something to work towards and kind of develop alongside. Um, but yeah, it's kind of putting together our, both our skill sets with um, people who want support in nutrition and people who want support in um, more performance-based um, program design. People who work, who work out in open gym, they either can't get to the classes or feel like they want something slightly different to what classes offer them, but still want to train in that uh, CrossFit style or functional fitness style setting, uh, but they want uh, some guidance. Um, I mean, we both work almost more of like a consultancy basis with people. I mean, like if people have been training for a while and they want kind of some problem solved, they're like, oh, I'm really struggling to 
get strong in these movements or I've got, I've managed to lose this much weight, but now it's got to the point where it's really stagnated. I don't know how to progress forwards. It's kind of like we help them build a bit of a plan to move forward. And we both have the same opinion that a coach should be something like the relationship should be that you teach your clients to look after themselves. So further on down the line, they should be able to look after themselves, but they stay with you because they respect your opinion and you can help them out with small tweaks here and there. I think that's something we both believe in that that should be the long-term goal of coaching is that person's ready to look after themselves. Yeah, I like that. So uh, you'd say that you, you you definitely focus more on the principles of training and, and all that kind of stuff and try to sort of impart some of your knowledge for them to use long-term rather than just them turning up and just expecting everything as a cup. Yeah. I think some people, like it depends on the person. Some people want that support and they want to know why they're doing stuff and kind of how they would do it themselves. And other people just don't. They just want to be told what to do. And that's like literally why they pay someone to do it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's, I mean, both are fantastic to work with. Some people, it's almost quite nice when they don't ask too many questions um, and they just come in and do what you tell them to do. But then other times it's really nice to be able to explain kind of why you're doing something what the thought process behind it is, um, what the plan going forward is and how you can help someone move from where they are to where they want to be. And like getting them to buy into that process a bit more is also really, really enjoyable and rewarding. So it's kind of the, the reason behind that one. Yeah. I, I know you wouldn't really want to categorize, but have you, the, the fusion stuff, are you targeting more your high performing individuals or are you kind of looking at your general population health and wellness kind of guys? It's almost a, again, similar to like I was saying with the CrossFit being the happy medium It's the, the people who are kind of in the middle, they don't want to be high performance athletes in the sense that they want to compete internationally in a sport because those people already have their own strength conditioning coaches. They have people who are like their funded sport gives them people who, write their programmings for them etc then also not the people who just kind of want to lose a little bit of weight and have a bit of fun at the gym they're more the people who are really bought into the process of getting better and kind of and i think they want to do um you know the kind of people that everything that they do they do well they put kind of everything into it um they want to get bigger faster stronger leaner whatever the goal is but they're very bought into that process and they want to do really well in it that's kind of the demographic we're going after. We we labeled it kind of the high performance individual where everything they do in life, they do well and they want to kind of put everything into, um, and high performance is individual to them, whether that's, they want to be, um, be able to lift certain numbers in the gym. They want to feel really, really good and play with their kids whilst they're working really well and being able to perform really well at their job. It's very dependent on the individual, but high performance being, performing well and whatever they want to perform well in like how can we support that i uh i'm not sure if you've practiced that or not but you've uh you almost, <laughs> you almost made me just want to sign up with you just... <laughs> i think i had a little bit of a memory from when we were naz was writing the website and it was like what should we put here <laughs> really really good stuff um speaking of high performing individuals uh i know you've just enrolled in your master's degree i have yeah, yeah this is uh I, and I, I know from conversations and obviously just spending time with you, you, you really quite enjoy the research and the science side of, of training, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I 
always being kind of the person that likes to know the why behind stuff. I don't like being told that you've just got to do this or this is how you do it because um, I like to understand stuff on a slightly deeper level in the science side of things. Um, so yeah, I signed up for a online part-time master's degree in strength and conditioning, which I start next month. So that'll be fun doing that alongside working and trying to train, but we'll see how that one goes. Um, it's my old university. Um, so who I did my undergraduate with, they're kind of quite well renowned in their strength and conditioning and their online. They were the first UK based university to do online um, strength and conditioning master's degree. So they've been doing it for a while and I know a few people have gone through it and they found it okay alongside a full-time job. So I quite, I find if I don't have something that I'm working on, like either an online course or a particular topic I want to research, you almost get quite lazy with it and you kind of stagnate as such. And then I don't enjoy my coaching as much. I find if, if I've got something to be working on, then you're always kind of like stoking the fire of coaching and you really enjoy it more. So it's kind of a one, it's to keep the enjoyment and the progression in coaching. And two, it's like, it's something I've always wanted to do. Um, to, I feel almost in the fitness industry, especially if you work online, it's something that sets you aside. There's a lot of online coaches now, but having a master's degree level qualification in the particular subject does give you a um, some credibility, uh, which I think is quite important. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think that's, that's very true. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of coaches out there, like like myself included, who have done a bachelor's degree in exercise science or whatever. But there's not many of us who have really progressed it to a master's level and and taken that extra step and and know how to write proper research papers uh, and all that kind of stuff. Because I I think I already know what you're gonna want to write or want to study in, because you kind of touched on it before, and maybe you've changed your mind, but you've got a real interest in the concurrent training methodology or the science behind it right yeah yeah that's exactly right yeah I, it kind of stems from when i first as we said earlier when i first started crossfit of like how come these people can get especially the females because you kind of notice it a little bit more with the females that they're on the higher end of like national and international level weightlifting performance like tia claire toomey winning commonwealth games while still being the best at another sport in the world like yeah all of or most of the research would suggest that training endurance alongside strength really negatively impacts your performance in strength or your your conditioning um so i'm kind of interested in how the program design behind that i mean i did a little bit of reading into it myself and i think we spoke about this before a lot of the programs that they used in the research studies were just like they took a strength training program they took an endurance training program and the concurrent was just those two added together which i mean even off the bat that sounds like there's some changes you can make there to make that a little bit more effective i know they're trying to control for the training program um and the differences in the training program not being the thing that changes but i think it's very interesting with the current research and there's a few people out there i um, mean i follow um evan pycon from training think tank a lot he talks about this a lot about how the program design and making it individual to the person can really make a difference between like how much is going to interfere with 
their progression. And I've actually seen firsthand and I've kind of experienced firsthand from working with a coach that uh, a guy who coached me for a while that like my aerobic fitness was the limiter on my strength. So taking the time to get fitter aerobically helped me improve my strength down the line, which often for some people is a little bit difficult to wrap their head around, but that's something I really kind of want to look into a bit more. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just, it, I think you are right with the females, especially, I mean, one of the other guests I had on here, Megan, she's hopefully, I don't want to touch wood on this. She's going to qualify for the Olympics next year. And uh, when I, when I interviewed her, I did a little bit of research and that year that the last year she competed in CrossFit, which was 2018 or 19, she finished in like the top 60 in the world or something. So it just goes on to show how much maybe there is still to learn about all this kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, I mean, the females definitely are kind of a little bit higher performing on the weightlifting side of things, which is quite interesting in itself that the training modality of the higher reps, higher intensity, less rest seems to get gain higher performance and almost higher muscle mass in females than it does for the guys. I mean, I mean, Naz is a good example of this. She did bikini bodybuilding and then went to cross it and gained a load more muscle mass doing something where people were like, Oh, you do that. You lose your gains. Well, we went from bodybuilding to CrossFit and gained more muscle mass. So it's just interesting. Okay. Um, we, we spoke about some principal style training and, and with some of the people you work with uh, through fusion. Um, if you were to try and help out general population in a, in a sense, or you're, you're kind of your weekend warriors as people call them, um, is there anything that you think people consistently miss out on uh, with their training that you, like something that might be overlooked a lot or something that you see a lot with I, I don't want, I don't want you to compare to someone else's programming but maybe what you see in CrossFit programming generally that that might be overlooked or, or some side of things that people miss out on yeah I think one of the biggest things I see in functional fitness and CrossFit is people trying to improve it too many things at the same time. So they're con like, that's the, the easy mistake to make with CrossFit is because there's so many things to be good at that you try and improve them all at the same time yeah. rather than people taking a step back and being like, okay, what's the things I need to improve on the most or what are the things that, I could improve on that would help improve other things. So what underpins your performance? Like, are they strong enough in the first place to be lifting their weightlifting numbers? Are they fit enough in the first place to be able to do um, certain movements or certain metcons fast enough? So what could they improve, which would help everything? The second thing is, which kind of goes hand in hand is people training too much and not giving themselves a chance to actually adapt and get better from the training they do do. I mean, I fall into this trap as well. Everyone does at some point. Um, you get into the, because it's a bit of a theme in CrossFit, you get into the kind of the double sessions. I mean, there's a, certainly a time and a place for those, for some people, to be a high-level CrossFitter. If you've already built the base, then you have to do that because there's so many things to be good at. You can't fit all the things you need to practice in when you're prepping for a competition in one session a day, five days of the week. It's not possible. So they have to do multiple sessions a day to be able to deal with the volume they need to compete and to practice all the skills they need. But for general population who just want to be strong, be fit, be healthy, and be able to do some of the skills or all of the skills in CrossFit, 
they don't need to do that much. And they don't have the life outside of the gym that supports that. That's often what a lot of people don't see. They don't see the hours of body work that the CrossFit Games athletes do. The guys who it's full-time job for, they're not doing anything else outside. They're eating and sleeping. Their life revolves around trying to make their training effective. Whereas most people that we see daily, they have incredibly stressful jobs. They don't sleep too well. They, their nutrition is not bad, but it could be better. So they need to build their training program more around their lifestyle and what they need to achieve, which is usually for most people in generalizing here is get stronger in the first place. A lot of people see like this, they look at grace as a workout and they want to get better at that or they see muscle ups and they say, I'm going to go practice that skill or I'm going to practice cleaning jerks or I'm going to practice muscle ups. It's like, okay, but like, can you like, what's your actual one RM clean and jerk or what's your strength like with a barbell is 60 kilos so much of a high percentage that you're never going to move it quickly in the first place or how are your strict pull-ups? If you've got less than five, 10 strict pull-ups, you have no business trying to do muscle ups yet. Like, build that base and earn the right to do it. And then that stuff will come so much easier further down the line. Kind of the two biggest things is yeah, trying to improve too many things at one time and then training a little bit too much rather than taking a step back and going, right, okay, what do I need to work on? Let's go after that for a little while. And then once that's built up, once that's satisfactory, what's the next thing? Kind of prioritizing things a little more. Uh, I and this is something you hit the nail on the head with the most of the people we see they their lives just don't account or don't allow them to train the way that they think they need to be training all the time uh, if, if, if you had some sort of advice for someone to help their recovery or just to help them help them get a little bit more or allow them to do more in the next session let's put it that way what have you got a, a good tip for someone on recovery there Two main things for me when it comes to recovery. The two ones that like, they're really simple. They're really obvious, but people still don't do them. Number one's got to be sleep. You have to sleep as much as you can. I think it was my old coach said to me, the way he put it, it was like sleep as much as you can without getting fired or, or um, getting divorced or losing your girlfriend. Right? So you're trying to sleep is when you recover is when your body repairs itself. So trying to get as much as that in as you can around work schedule, around family life, etc. Nutrition, making sure you're consuming it enough to support what you're doing. I mean, that's a big mistake people make. And I can understand why, because most people that we see on, on the daily are realistically in the gym to look a bit better physically. Yeah. I think and they usually want to lose a bit of body fat. So they tend to keep their calories relatively low but that can seriously hinder recovery, which in the long term means your training consistency and volume goes down, which negatively impacts your, your physique. So it can be a bit of a vicious cycle. Um, I, I think that's a good point as well. I think most people, uh, they don't have a clear idea of, of what they want to achieve either, which doesn't help things. So they, they know they want to look better, but, uh, and as you said, so they, they do what they think is right, which is, which is, uh, 
dropping their calories and then they worry about their performance next. And then they, they as you said, the circle just kind of continues to go and go and go. And then they end up achieving nothing on both fronts. Where yeah, no, 100%. If, if they set some sort of goal around performance and then ate or lived their lifestyle in that way, most of the body stuff that they were looking for would probably go hand or follow suit. Um, so I think, yeah, just having people or people you work with, having a clear idea of what they want to achieve can, can help yeah. set that in motion. Yeah, definitely. People like, and it's keeping, I think our job as coaches is to keep people with that main goal in mind. Yeah. It's very easy with when you come into a gym and you almost see like you get different carrots dangled in front of you of like you come in, you want to lose some weight for your summer holiday and suddenly you see someone doing a muscle up and you're like, Ooh, that looks nice. I want to be able to do that. And then the 30 minutes it takes to work on muscle up drills, you could have spent doing some bodybuilding, which would have moved you closer to the goal you originally tried to achieve. I mean, there's nothing wrong with wanting to achieve those things, but making sure you're aligning things with our overarching goal. Yeah is important and we do have to do a lot of reminding on that front um okay uh that was uh so that was pretty good Stu. i'm going to start bringing it back onto you a little bit um as we kind of start wrapping up a tiny bit um but uh so for you uh, i know you got the master's degree coming up and all that kind of stuff but is there is there any aspirations to compete again and at any sort of level Yes. I mean, I'm a competitive person, so I wouldn't do all the training I did if there wasn't going to be a competitive element there. Um, I know I want to compete in a weightlifting competition again um, when they all start back up again. Um, still trying to work out whether I'll go 81 kilo category or pull my finger out and try and get lean enough to compete. At the the only problem is that like, someone's like 73, I think, which is a little, a little light. I don't um, get down to 73 anymore. <laughs> I've got a little bit of uh, excess timber I could lose, I'm sure. Um, so I definitely want to do weightlifting competition. Um, and always I enjoy kind of your local Asian CrossFit competitions. They're always so much fun. It's a great community in Asia. You get to go and catch up with people I haven't seen in the next one we go to. I won't have seen people in, in nearly a year after all this um but kind of like we did in bali with the um, uc 1000 or they've got the bangkok throwdown that we usually do each year um and they're just really good fun you can go usually do team i find team a little bit more enjoyable for me there's a bit less stress involved i always push myself a little bit harder when i'm doing it for someone else as well as me um and they yeah they're just really enjoyable you get to go away for a weekend go to another city around the world hang out with your friends and do some fitness and I mean, recently we've been doing relatively well at the competitions, so you end up winning some prize money or some some prizes. So it's pretty good. So they're always a good motivator. I mean, we spoke about this in the gym not long ago, right? That you have to have something to train for to be able to do the uncomfortable stuff that CrossFit demands of you, right? Doing air bike sprints or burpees over the barbell. Like I'm only doing those if I know I've got a competition to train for. I don't want like, to. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to be doing those if there's kind of like. I mean, obviously, I'll do them every now and again. Um, yeah, speaking. But uh, you pulled figure. If someone who doesn't do CrossFit, you uh, you you crushed me in a workout uh, yesterday. Oh, sorry, two I days. think. 
was just lucky that there was a bike involved because I've been doing a fair bit of that. I think that was all, all the saving grace was there. Um, hope. Yeah, there's still hope. Every now and again, I like doing it. I have to be in the right, definitely the right frame of mind. Um, there's definitely going to be some competitions on the, on the horizon. Um, they give you something to train for. Um, it's hard to be, and I don't think it's realistic to be motivated all of the time. And there's nothing wrong with having periods of time where you're like, you know what, like I don't want to be hurting in training all the time. I'm just going to do something which is slightly lower intensity, slightly more enjoyable, like go and do like a little bodybuilding phase or a more aerobic fitness phase. So like I bought myself a bike and go and do some endurance biking, things like that. Slightly more enjoyable, get outside, a little less painful. You can't do that painful stuff all the time. Um, it has its time and its place, but you need to have something. I need to, I personally need to have a reason, which is more than like, oh, I probably should do this. What about, I need to have that. What about the rumors that regionals might be coming back? Would that uh, I mean, stoke the fire? <laughs> that would, like, that would get me excited because, I mean, we both, you've experienced it a lot more times than I have, but that one time in Wollongong with the team was great fun. Like, the atmosphere there, like, we were in the, we started the weekend in the first heat because we were, you know, they had the top 10 from Australia and New Zealand and then the 10 from Asia together. And then you drop really rapidly down to the Asian heats. Um, and, but it's just so much fun. It was such a good laugh. Um, being able to compete on the same floor with some of the top athletes in the world as well. Yeah, this um, In the warm-up room with some of the top athletes in the world is, is awesome. And it was always well, so well run. Um, they did do a great job with it and any excuse to go to Australia and have a laugh is yeah that would definitely I mean I don't think I would train like I did in 2017 again that was like double sessions a few times of the week I don't think I'd have the time or the energy to do that but I don't think I would need to I think I'd know how to structure my own programming and streamline things and yep. know what I'd need to work on to not have to do that again yeah I don't, yeah, I don't that, if my old body would be able to handle <laughs> it either I, it's actually worrying that like even in the last few years my ability to tolerate training volume and i even look back now like some of the stuff when i was a weightlifter at university it was just stupid stuff like just warming up with cleaner jerks was like you just start you do like two reps with a barbell put 70 kilo on put 100 kilo on and go from there or like squats was 70 120 170 and now i think both my knees would explode if i did that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you did put up. Well, not even. A, you did put up an impressive video of uh, what was it? How many reps you hit at one seventy the other day? It's pretty good. One six five for ten. I see. see. Which got in the legs. You'll be right. Still good. Yeah, that took a long time. That was right at the end of the session. To warm up a little after that one. <laughs> All right. Uh, what about for fusion or for yourself personally on the coaching front? Anything in the works or anything on down the pipeline that that you can tell us or or that people might be interested in? Just the. The masters for now. Um, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing at the moment. Um, I had a, a period of time where I was between um, CrossFit gyms and I was in Singapore where I was just doing personal training. And whilst I enjoyed it, I did really miss that group coaching atmosphere. I really do enjoy that. I get a big, um, I just find the energy of a class that really kind of um, keeps me going. And I really enjoy that. And I actually, 
I'm really loving what I'm doing at the moment, coaching-wise. Um, I mean, joined Mobus relatively recently, but it's been really enjoyable. Really love doing it. Um, and I think originally for me, my goal was to go and do my master's in person, um, either back home in the UK or somewhere else abroad. Um, but kind of the whole Mobilis opportunity fell in mine and Naz's lap. And it's been really enjoyable for us. We really like in our life at the moment, it enables us to live kind of a really enjoyable lifestyle and have a great job at the same time. So we're, it was definitely not worthwhile losing what I've got now to go and do my masters. That's why I kind of went with the online thing because things just going too well and I don't want to stop what I'm doing. I mean, there's got to be long-term goals, um, which is kind of the fusion thing and just seeing where the master's degree in coaching life takes us. But we're very much enjoying what we're doing at the moment um, and don't want that to change anytime soon. Glad to hear it. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish this off with just just a couple of. Uh, I've got the quick fires that you gotta you gotta answer for me. But oh God. That, yeah. Have you have, <laughs> have you got a, a quote or a, a a mantra or anything that you use? I asked of uh, of Dylan, uh, not Dylan. Sorry, Daryl. In the last podcast, and he gave me some some real fire. So you yeah, no pressure. Oh, yeah. No, I know. Um... I don't really have one that I live by daily. Um, but when I was a weightlifter and when I was training, there was one particular quote, which I really, really liked, which I don't know if it was said, I don't actually know who it was said by, but it was always in the weightlifting context, put on a poster with um, Piros Dimas, the Greek weightlifter. And it was always, it was the quote that says, do today what others won't. So tomorrow you can do what others can't. And that was always a good quote for me with like, get your training done, do it even when other people aren't doing it, when you don't want to do it. And then further down the line, you'll reap the benefits of that. I mean, that's quite applicable to outside life as well, but very applicable to training. So that was something I used in the past. I'm not really one for quotes in my normal life. Yeah. I just, Go with the flow. <laughs> all right. That's a good one, though. As you said, I think it uh, carries over to all aspects of life. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter if it's training, your job, your family, whatever it might be. I think uh, you can find a reason to use that. Okay. On that note, quick fire questions. All right. There's just five of them. Uh, just a, a nice way for everyone listening to this just to get to know Stuart a little bit better. Okay. If you could be any animal, what would it be and why? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, probably a bird because flying would be awesome. Probably an eagle. Ooh, freedom as well. Yeah, flying would be awesome. And you don't want to be a bird that other birds eat. So pick the biggest bird. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, what is one thing on your bucket list? For me, Travel as many countries as I possibly can. Okay, you I want to be able to see as many different countries as possible. You've got to give me one. One particular country or one? Yeah, top of the list. That's quite hard. Um, I've always wanted to go, and we finally got the opportunity to go to South Africa, actually. That's always been quite high up on my list. I've always wanted to go um, to 
actual Africa. I've been to Morocco, but right up the top, I don't really count. Um, so South Africa, and we're hopefully going next year for a friend's wedding. Um, so but that's definitely been high up now. What's that? But you're about to say the Lions tour. Oh, that would be nice too. Um, but I'm not sure uh, Mobilis management would be too happy with me with that one. <laughs> we can ask them, see how it goes. <laughs> uh, favorite superhero and why? Thor. Just because he's a badass. Um, and Thor before he got fat in the last one, last of the Marvel movie. Um, I think he's a superhero, but he's just a god, so he wins. Yeah, you can't really beat that, can you? No, no. Yeah. And Chris Hemsworth is a pretty handsome dude. If you look like that, it wouldn't be the worst in the world. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, morning or night person? Mid mid morning. Uh, <laughs> not when I, yeah, I, I don't like getting up in the morning particularly, but once I'm up, I feel like I'm a lot more productive in the morning. I'm certainly not a nighttime person because I go to bed pretty early. But yeah, sorry, that's a bit of a no, wishy-washy kind of in the middle person. No, it's pretty, it's, I was going to say pretty accurate, but for most of us, I think, yeah, I think the, the five of 30 wake-ups or five o'clock wake-ups do start to grade yeah, yeah. you a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> can't. No, I don't think anyone can admit that they enjoy that time of the morning. Yeah, that's fucking lying. All right, uh, best part of the day. Best part of the day. Yeah. What's What's the thing you look forward to the most during your days? <laughs> uh, it's gonna be food, isn't it? I was gonna say breakfast. Being one of us, normally I have like some a few hours of coaching in the morning, and then have a co- go finish coaching go and get a coffee and have breakfast and that kind of like sitting down have a coffee have breakfast is pretty great and the second one is at the end of the day when you get down in bed and you lay down and you just realize how good bed is <laughs> how good being in your bed is yeah that's, that's got to be one too <laughs> i don't think anyone can argue with that one <laughs> All right, so so we're gonna we're gonna end it there. Uh, first of all, just thank you so much for your time and thank you for jumping on. I think uh, there was plenty in that for um for thanks for having me on um, to follow some interesting people. So yeah, so I haven't bored everyone. Before you leave, uh, if anyone wants to find you that maybe doesn't already follow you somewhere, where where can people find you? What's the easiest way to to get hold of Stuart? Um, Instagram probably. It's the only one I use. It's just my name, uh, all in lowercase. Could do with some more followers, so that'd be helpful. <laughs> Got to try and overtake you and Mrs. Cats. <laughs> On a path, though. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I need to get some cats or something. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just Instagram. And yeah, if anyone has any questions about Fusion or anything like that, then do just reach out to either me or Naz on Instagram. Um, we have an Instagram page with Fusion Athletics, which um, we post some educational content on as well. Um, so you can reach out to us on there too. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll link you and, and Fusion into this one uh, on the notes for the podcast. So. Expecting some followers from all around the world. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Worldwide. All right. Thank you very much, Stu. Sweet.